If you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. All right, 1 Kings 19. This is the story that we are looking at through this series that we are in. We are in a series called Out of the Cave. All right, and I want to kind of get into this real quickly. Uh, right now, I actually, normally in my message, I have a spot that says like intro, and it's this blank area, and I write kind of something, what I want to say. It, it just says out of the cave. That's all it says. I'll give you a hint on my notes. And it's because I want to kind of get through this quickly, get into our message for today. Uh, these messages have been uh, just a little bit longer than our normal ones because we're trying to cover a couple topics, give the right amount of attention uh, as we have been looking at mental health. All right, and mental health is something that is uh, incredibly important and anyone with a brain has mental health. So we've kind of said, so that means that it affects all of us. Uh, and it's something that really is, is struggling right now in our world as a whole, uh, in our country. And I don't think that our church is probably uh, a whole lot better necessarily. I think this is something that for a long time, many of us, we, we don't really know, we don't know how to kind of handle this, what to do. And, and for years, I think many times things weren't talked about when it came to mental health. There was a stigma just kind of surrounding it. And so some of our goal is to just try and lessen and remove that stigma and be able to just kind of say like, hey, we can talk about mental health. That's okay. Uh, and so we've had a couple weeks on this. I encourage you, uh, if this is your first time here, go back and catch those weeks as we've talked about this. Uh, but I want to kind of just move into our passage for today and, and where we are going with it. So uh, this will be our last week uh, on this chunk of the passage that we're going to read today. And then next week we will look at basically the, uh, the conversation, the discourse that happens um, following this between Elijah and God. All right, so if you are willing, if you're able, would you stand uh, with me this morning? I want to just kind of read through this passage. We'll pray, and then we'll jump into this. So uh, we are in 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, May the gods strike me and even kill me, if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. All right, let's pray. God, we just, we thank you that, uh, Lord, that your, your word, that the Bible is relevant to us today. God, we thank you that as you uh, piece this together, as you inspire different authors to bring this all together, Lord, that it's something that stands the test of time, that it is uh, just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. So God, we pray that as we dive into this, that we would find pieces that, that we need to be applying to our life, and that we would do that this week. We ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. As we've talked about in past weeks, uh, when it comes to our mental health and our, our mental well-being, 
uh, there are many factors that can have an impact on us. Okay, some of those factors impact us at, at more of like a core level. Uh, and we referred to them a few weeks ago as affecting the baseline of our mental health. Kind of like that average of where you sit. Like where, where is my mental health at? Your baseline of where you come in, come in at. There are some things that impact that. Okay, and that would be things like uh, mental health disorder. Uh, maybe like depression, anxiety, bipolar, or, or any of the other 200 plus mental health disorders that, that there are. Uh, some of these are a result of chemical imbalances that we may have. Some could be a result of severe trauma that happened in our life. Uh, it could be from inherited trauma, from PTSD, uh, from a recent loss of a loved one. Like these, these things will impact our mental health in a way that really we should be looking for a professional help. All right, from a therapist looking into whether uh, medication could help us in these situations. Uh, and absolutely, though, we should be praying for God to do a physical and mental healing in our bodies as well. All right, but that's kind of the baseline. That's some of the, the bigger things that, um, that really will impact us uh, at different times. There's also, though, decisions that we make, uh, lifestyle choices or day-to-day -day occurrences that happen that can impact our mental health as well. All right, so a few weeks ago, again, that was we had the baseline, and then we had this little dot where we just move up and down. All right, uh, this would be like being diagnosed with a heart disease, Okay, that's something that like impacts me and it is, uh, I need to be going to a doctor, looking into medication, things like that, uh, versus not eating healthy or exercising, right? Like that impacts my physical health as well, uh, but those are kind of choices that I'm making, things that I could probably change, um, and, and in some ways can, can look into doing that myself or with help of other people around me, things like that. Now, as we look at the story of Elijah, uh, to me, it, it doesn't seem, uh, we don't know for sure, but it doesn't seem that Elijah is dealing with uh, a mental health disorder, uh, past trauma, or anything of that nature. That absolutely could be there. Not seeing it right now in the story. Uh, it seems like he has some situational things happening. Uh, and then he makes some choices uh, and has situations that happen to him that send him into this downward spiral. All right, and I think that this is something that anyone can relate to. Like, no matter where your mental health is at, all of us, honestly, are, are one rough situation and some unhealthy choices away from spiraling. We want to think that we're in a good place, and you might be in a good place right now. But there could be something that happens this afternoon, and there could be choices that you make following that, the way that you respond to that situation that really could send you into a spiral. All right, and last week we looked at how fear and isolation, two things impacting Elijah, can affect our mental health. This week we have two more. All right, so in verse 3, let's look at this. Elijah was afraid. All right, we already talked about that. And he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there, and he went on alone. We talked about that, isolation. He was, he was overcome with fear, and then he isolated himself. All right, uh, he, into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. What is the reasoning that Elijah gives for this drastic statement right here? He says, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Last week, we had fear and isolation as the two things hurting Elijah's mental health. The first one this week is this, comparison. Comparison kills 
our, wor- our words will often give insight into what is like happening in our heads. Okay, and in this moment for Elijah, when everything is coming to a climax emotionally for him, we get a view into his thoughts. And he has been comparing himself, his success or lack thereof, with his past ancestors. Right, he's saying, I am no better than they are. How many of us have ever found ourselves uh, comparing our lives to someone else's? Okay, at some point. Anyone ever done that? You've compared your life, your accomplishments, to someone else's accomplishments. All right? Uh, I remember going to my 10-year high school uh, reunion. This is like the worst place in the world for this. Okay? Like, you, you go in, and I remember just like every conversation that happened, just feeling like there was a little bit going on behind it. Like, every question that people asked felt like there was an ulterior motive to it. All right, like, and I think today for us, the big kicker with comparison is this, social media. Okay, like comparison has always been there, but it has never been so readily available for us as today. All right, and the thing with social media is it it helps you stay informed on just really the best moments of other people's lives. Okay, so at its worst, Social media is this toxic one-upmanship platform used to push people away. Okay, at its, at its best, like, you just get to know what's going on in someone else's life. Like, it really isn't that great. There isn't this great trade-off. And really, I'd say on its average, it is just this non-stop comparison trap of what you don't have and what others have. We have problems, and we have difficulties in our life. Like, everyone knows this. Everyone in this room Probably even this week, you have had some type of a problem. You've had some type of issue that has happened. Okay, and we know that about ourselves. Like, we, we know it, and we know that this happens to everybody else around us. Right? Like, you know that everybody in this room has had trouble. We know it here. And yet, somehow, we begin to watch other people's lives, and we, we scroll through social media, And somehow we forget that basic fact that we know that everybody has issues. And instead, it looks like everybody else's life around us is just great. Okay, or maybe as you sit uh, around with friends, having coffee and talking to them, and they're talking about their life, their retirement, their whatever, and you're sitting there just hearing this and thinking, man, they just have so much that I don't. They're able to go and do this, and I can't. Or they have this, and, and I don't have that. And like All these different things. We compare ourselves to them. But we don't compare our best to their best, or our worst to their worst. We compare our worst to their best. Right? Like we look at like all, all the junk in our life, and then we compare it with everything that's going great in their life. We're like, my life is so awful. You're like, well, yeah. You're comparing the worst and the, and the best here. This is always going to be a losing battle for you, if that's what you do. When we are going through something hard, we need people around us to help us. And and oftentimes, that's people who have gone through similar situations, right? Have you ever done that, where you're going through something rough, and you're like, who else has gone through this? I need someone that has been through this. They're on the other side to just kind of speak life into me. But because our society is not transparent, because we would rather talk about our great vacation than the struggle that we have in our marriage— Okay, like we go through something and we look around and we don't think anybody else has gone through it. Because I don't know the last time I really saw like a, a 
a post on social media that was like, yeah, today, today's really not great. Uh, yeah, w- wife and I are really in a big fight right now. Uh, this is what's going on. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, no one is really posting that for the most part. Now, I do remember uh, my wife, Emily, and I, we have caused some fights on social media for other people. <laughs> I was telling this the other day. We have a few things where we like to, we, we went through a season, we like to post things on our story and kind of say, okay, she does this this way. I do it this way. Who's correct? You know, and it's the, the classic is like, which way does the toilet paper go? Okay, sticking with the bathroom humor. Now log this away and have the conversation later, and you can have a fight later. Okay, don't have the fight now. Uh, we were curious uh, who folds their toilet paper versus just bunches it into a ball because we do that differently. Um, and we've talked about, okay, when you put toothpaste on the toothbrush, do you put the water on before the toothpaste or after the toothpaste? Because apparently we did that. I mean, we were married for like 10 years before we realized some of these things. Um, or when you stack, uh, you see when you have crackers, meat, and cheese. Okay, I'm giving myself away with the order I just said that in. Like, which order do the meat and cheese go in? And we started posting these things because in my mind, I'm like, she's crazy. <laughs> she lives her life in complete anarchy all the time because she puts meat on top of the cheese. Like, this is crazy. And we post this and come to realize there's a lot of other people that have common ground with her. And yeah, we had a lot of friends be like, you need to stop this. Stop posting these things. We've had too many fights this week. Give it a break. But overall, like we want connection. We want connection. That's why we find social media. But when we're struggling and we need that connection desperately, you don't find it. Because no one is talking about the the crummy parts of their life on social media. So instead, this ends up isolating us. Even more. When you're going through something hard, and that's what we talked about that last week, this isolation that happens. And and I think often, the other thing that can happen is is comparison leads to the what-ifs, and not in a healthy way. Like the single person who has worked hard and advanced in their career, been able to travel, you know, whatever it would look like, looks at the married person who has a family and thinks, "Uh, what if I had gone that route instead? Like, and we idolize what we don't have. All right, and vice versa. The person who has a family and, and has a house and is, is you know, at home, and this, they, they look at the single person traveling the world and doing this, and man, that'd be so amazing. If I, I just don't have responsibilities, I can go and do what I want. Like we so often, it's the what ifs in our life, it's the comparison that happens. And this happens across everything, married or not married, like kids or no kids, uh, this job or that job, this house or that house, this town or that town. Like we are always doing this. We are constantly focused on what we don't have and the what-ifs. And in the, compar- in the comparison, like, we begin to rank and we think of, like, what is best. All right, and so you see, if you're taking notes here, comparison leads to a mindset of competition. You don't start off thinking that way. That's not where you're like, oh, I'm competing with everyone around you. But the second you start to compare yourself, you have now turned it into a competition. And you begin to see winners and losers. And you begin to see either yourself as a winner or a loser, which isn't really healthy. And you begin to see others as winners and losers, which also is not healthy. That, that's what competition kind of does here. Instead of seeing others as image bearers of God, who are uniquely formed to have a unique impact and fingerprint on this world, we see the world as who is better and who is living the best life. 
So how do we not fall into this? How do we stop comparing and instead be content in life? Because that's, that's really the opposite of comparison, is content. Because there's few things that will lead to a healthier mental state than just being content with our life. All right, well, to combat comparison, like, we need to have a strong sense of self, of, like, who you are. All right, now, here's the thing. Some of this, this right here, or other things we're saying, some of this might sound a little, like, self-helpy. Okay? I'm making that word up, but I think it works. Hopefully you know what I mean. Um, but, but here's the thing. You need to know who you are, who God created you to be. Like, you are an image-bearing man or woman. God created you in his image to be his partner in his wonderful creation. And with this partnership comes responsibilities. Having responsibilities means that you have a purpose. And your purpose is unique. And therefore can only be accomplished by you being unique. And who God created you to be. You cannot accomplish your unique purpose by being your neighbor. It doesn't work. You need to be who God made you to be. The interesting thing about our purpose is this. It can be the same purpose as two billion other Christians, but how we accomplish it can be completely unique. I hear a lot of Christians say, like, I want to know what my purpose is. And I think at times, if we aren't careful, this can be pretty self-centered in its approach. Like, we want to have some big defining thing about us. Like, I, I, lots of times when we want, like, what is my purpose? We want this great mission in our life. Okay, well, what if your purpose is just to make earth as it is in heaven? Every chance we get. And you do that through your own uniqueness that God designed you with. Is that purpose enough for you? Because that's a purpose that every single one of us shares. How you accomplish it might be a little bit different than the person next to you, but that doesn't change what your purpose is. You don't have to run some ministry to have a God-given purpose. You don't have to have a specific laid-out plan from God for your life. Sometimes he does that. And quite often, the Holy Spirit will lead us to specific moments or specific seasons of doing things. But when you understand who God created you to be, and you leverage that to glorify him through your words and actions, when you know him deeply and make him known, you have purpose. Let's not compete. In fact, we, we really can't because we are all running our own race. Like, if you're doing this correctly, you can't compete with the person next to you. You're running a different race. But too often, we see ourselves in competition. We compare our lives and our calling with those around us, and it absolutely damages our mental well-being. Right, let's keep reading in Elijah's story. Verse 5. Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. I love this. The first time that we see God kind of step into Elijah's, we'll call it a meltdown here, whatever you want, into his situation. The first time that we see God step into this and in, interact, um, is not exactly what I would have expected, 
Right, like the last mention of God in this story, he is sending fire from heaven. He is burning up uh, everything on Elijah's altar, doing this massive thing, showing his power and his display, and then, and then uh, sending rain after it hadn't rained for three and a half years. Like God's doing these amazing big miracles. All right, then God sends a messenger here, an angel, and the angel doesn't say, hey, Elijah, it's fine, you just need to pray harder. Or you need to have more faith. Or, or throw your staff down in front of Jezebel and it's going to turn into a python and it's going to eat her. And your problems are gone. Like I, I'm sure that's what Elijah wanted in this moment. But instead, the, this, this messenger from God, this angel shows up and he says, get up and eat. How many of you guys are like, I don't get that message from God enough. <laughs> Some of you are like, I, I think God's telling me that all the time. This is basically like a, a biblical Snickers commercial. Like that, that's the image that I get. God's sitting there and he's like, Elijah, you're not being yourself. Have a snack. You know, and uh, like the fourth thing that's contributing to Elijah's struggling mental health here is his physical health. His physical health. God has seen Elijah freaking out, screaming that he wants to die. He's no better than his ancestors. And God says, Eat. Eat and then go back to sleep. And then he wakes him up again and says, eat again. Like, don't miss this, okay? Our physical bodies and our physical needs are incredibly important to God. Somewhere along the way, Christians started to think that our bodies are basically throwaway. Like, there's, there's a bunch of Christians that kind of think this way. They don't really matter because we're going to end up just having a, a spirit that floats away and we don't have a, a body anyways. Like, that's not actually the picture that we're given in Scripture. Okay, and if that's kind of what you thought, like, don't feel bad. This is a, this is a very common thought that people have. Okay, but, but first off, like, God created us with bodies before sin ever entered the world. So we know that God intended us to have physical bodies, even in his perfect creation. And then if, if we want to look at what the end plan is, the end plan is resurrection and new creation. And we see this through Jesus. When Jesus is raised from the dead and he appears to his followers, he has a physical body. And he proves this by asking for something to eat. When he first shows up to the disciples after the resurrection, he says, hey, can you get me something to eat? Like he, I, I think he wanted to show them, like, look, I'm not a ghost. Like, I'm physically here and I still, I still eat. I still have all these different things. And then he says, if you need to, like, touch, touch, touch my wounds, like where I was crucified. I'm not a ghost. And the form that Jesus has, the resurrection body, is the same form that awaits all of creation. This idea of a separate soul and body and us being a soul living inside of, like, this broken shell uh, that some people have, this actually isn't a Christian-rooted idea. Maybe you knew this, but this is actually from Plato. Plato was not a Christian. All right, uh, now I'm going to go off a little bit here and nerd out for like three minutes, and I want you to track with me here, because I, I like doing this. I think this matters for us, all right? Um, I think it's incredibly important to our theology as believers, and we honestly just rarely find time to talk about some of these things. Gnosticism, maybe you've heard this term before. Gnosticism was an early belief uh, that we had a mind and, and, and a mind and a spirit, and then we had like this body and physical and material world. Like there's these two separate kind of pieces to it. All right. And that basically that everything of the mind and of the spirit, that was all good. And everything of the body and material, that was all bad. Okay. This is Gnosticism. All right. Uh, this is back in like 
300 BC, 400 BC. That was Plato's time. Okay, and this was very popular. Um, to them, like there was a god of each of these areas, and their job was to deny the physical and move towards the soul or the mind. Plato comes in, and he has some similar beliefs that were rooted in Gnosticism, but ultimately shaped into their own thing. Uh, like I said, it's all around 300 BC, before Jesus comes. A simple definition uh, of Gnosticism, of, of Neoplatonism, is mind and spirit is good, physical material is bad. Okay, uh, You can see how then the wrong reading of the New Testament and what Paul says, that Christians could easily slip into this. Right, like you might be going over passages in your head of Paul talking about the flesh, and like how the the flesh is what is like kind of uh, overcoming him and, and having these desires, and that his spirit has this. You can see how very easily that could get mapped on to Plato's ideas and onto Gnosticism, and this was happening in the early church. Realize this is why the letters of the New Testament are written. You have religions all around the early Christians. And you have Paul, you have Peter, you have different uh, disciples, apostles that are writing them and saying, hey, stop mixing this up. We are separate, we are different. Stop mixing this up. Stop trying to have a little bit of that and a little bit of this. All right, and, and so this is what's going on. Now, unfortunately, some of those beliefs, like, they're still easily mixed into Christianity. And this idea that, like, the physical is bad and that we should only be focused on this, like, disembodied future. But that isn't what the Bible teaches. All right, all this to say, like, God made our physical bodies. And if you remember the story of creation, when he got done making our physical bodies, he called them good. He called them good. And he has a plan for them in the future. So he cares about them, and we should too. And the way God created us, our physical health and our mental health, all right, those are linked together. We've talked about that. Also, our spiritual health is all part of this together. Like, we were created as this complex one being with all of this together. We like to try and divvy this out and in some ways maybe you can at times and maybe that's good for you like mentally to be like, okay, I need to work on this and you work on that and you need to work on that. But realize you really can never pull those apart. It's, it's all together. So when Elijah is having a breakdown, God says, hey, check where you are physically. In order for Elijah to go on, not just the physical journey, but the spiritual journey in a way, uh, or the spiritual change that is needed here, his physical body needs to be in balance. So God says, eat, drink, sleep. You need those things. How many times have you been struggling mentally because physically you are out of sorts? All right, like some of you, you're like, that's where I am right now. I did not sleep well last night, and I'm, I'm struggling to focus. All right? I didn't have a good breakfast this morning, and I am struggling to mentally focus on what is going on. All right? Uh, if you are staying up super late every Saturday, or maybe even uh, doing worse things to your body every Saturday night, you are going to struggle to come in on Sunday morning and say, God, here I am. Speak to me. Change me. I'm ready, and I'm available. Does that make sense? It's going to be really hard to do that on Sunday mornings if Saturday night is a rough time for you. All right? Uh, I, I don't think I need to spend a long time talking about how our physical health directly correlates with our mental health. I think most of us kind of agree on that. We've talked about it before. Instead, I want to do this. I want to give a quick little test or a tool for us today to measure where we are. Okay? I have five super basic categories that are on the screen behind me here. Okay? Five basic categories. We have sleep, water intake, healthy diet, exercise, and screen time. All right? 
and you are going to grade yourself in your head in each one of these categories. All right, sleep. Doctors say that we need, adults, we need seven plus hours of sleep. All right? And don't give me that, like, I don't need that much. Like, okay, for some people that's true. It's a lot less people than the amount of people that say they don't need that much sleep. Trust me, I've been around you. You need more sleep. Water intake. Uh, it kind of varies on different things. I, I looked on like May, the Mayo Hospital's website, things like that. Saw some things that said for men, 15 and a half cups of water a day. For women, 11 and a half cups. Uh, you know, or, you know, I've kind of heard the half your body weight. So like think of your body weight. Cut it in half, that many ounces a day. I know I am not drinking enough water. Okay, I have a friend who used to just walk around with like a big old like gallon jug that he had emptied and just filled it with water and just was drinking that every day. And I'm like, okay, I think he's actually succeeding. I know I am not. All right, water intake, healthy diet. Are you eating the way you should? I'm not going to go over the food pyramid or any type of diet. Like uh, everyone has their own little thing on this. But uh, let me say this: Are are you eating healthy? Now realize, over focusing on how you eat can actually uh, as I was talking with Emily on this, they, they've been talking about this in class, like that can actually be worse at times. Like that, that in and of itself can end up in a nasty place too. But like, where are you at in, in your eating, your healthy diet that you have, okay? Uh, exercise. Technically, we are supposed to spend 150 minutes a week in moderate intensity physical activity. That is a little over 20 minutes a day. Some of you guys are like, yep, I got dressed this morning. It took me that long, and I'll tell you what, it was hard. <laughs> I don't know where you're at in your exercise, but you have 20 minutes a day. You know, th so think about these things. And then screen time. Outside of work, uh, it really should be less than two hours a day of screen time. So what that probably means is for most of us, if you have a smartphone, you're probably not actually doing a ton of work on your smartphone. Like some, some of us do, we have different things, but it's not as much as what we like to say it is. All right, you can, I know on an iPhone, I can go in and I can check how many minutes every single day I'm on it. I can check how many times I have touched it and picked it up. It measures that for you. I just ignore it. All right, I, I like... These things are real. There are ways to measure this. But I want you to just kind of grade yourself right now. Like, where are you? Now, I wish I could say this. I wish I could say, okay, so what is your overall GPA? And you're like, I'm, I'm doing all right. I, I got a, a B average or something. Well, here's the thing. We actually, you can't really average it. Because how many of you guys know that an extra two hours of sleep does not make up for not eating healthy? Like, these things don't actually impact each other in that way. Like, each one of these categories... You almost have to take individually and say, where am I at in this? And realize that each one of these categories, if you are struggling in one of them, is one more spot that opens you up to be struggling with your mental health. All right? I know for me, I have several categories on this list that this week I need to start making a plan. All right? I need to start changing some of this. If we want to give our mental health a chance, we need to be doing somewhat well in all of these areas. All right, and you might be like, well, D's get diplomas. Not in mental health, they don't. <laughs> all right. 
That ended with high school. Now, this obviously isn't scientific here, uh, but I wanted to give us a chance to actually reflect on like where, where we are. Be realistic about this. How much of a chance are you giving your mental health based on your physical health? And can we really be surprised if we are always struggling mentally, if we're always struggling physically? So what do we do with all this today? We have two areas. Comparison, physical health. Mental health affects all of us, all right? Whether, whether you're living with a mental health disorder or not, there are still different steps that can affect us for positive and negative, all right? So the four that we've hit so far, fear, isolation, comparison, and our physical well-being, they all play into where we are mentally. And we have two more next week. And I, I hope that this can be maybe a needed like reckoning for some of us. So many times we want to be used by God. We want to make a difference in this world. We want to leave our mark. And yet we completely disregard some of the most basic fundamentals of our being. God cares about your physical health. He cares about your mental health. And we honor God when we take care of his creation. And that includes ourselves. That includes ourselves. Why don't you stand with me as we get ready to close. Last week, hopefully you spent some time focusing on whether you are uh, living parts of your life in a, in a constant state of fear. You know, maybe your worldview and outlook in life is fear-based and it drives the way you live, uh, the way you make decisions, the way that you parent we can't stay there. You can't stay in a place of, of fear. And hopefully we begin to see where we have a tendency to isolate ourselves and, and to pull away from others. And Instead, we need to push into community, especially community that is Jesus-centered. Now this week, we need to take thoughts of comparison captive. When that thought comes into your mind and you begin to compare yourself with the coworker, with the neighbor, with the friend, with the family member, you need to stop and say, nope, I'm not letting this happen. I'm taking that thought captive. It's not going to rule my mind. I'm not going to be in competition with the people around me. Because when people around us do better, we do better. We need to be there for each other. We need to be content in who we are. We need to know who we were created to be. Learn how to live for Jesus in a way that brings your uniqueness into the light and can honor God. He made you the way he did for a reason. And when we understand who we are and learn to leverage that, we are not going to feel this, this need to be comparing ourselves to the people around us. And this week, you need to take time and find how to take care of your body. You might be in a rough spot right now mentally, and maybe the very first thing God wants to say to you is get up and eat. Take care of your physical body. Get some more sleep. Get off your phone a little bit. And it can be really hard to sort out what is going on in your head if you have issues physically, 
I know for, for therapists, like the way they will, they will often ask you if you are seeing your doctor regularly. Like when they do an intake and someone comes and sees them for the first time, they're going to say, uh, are you seeing your doctor regularly? Do you have care established? And their standard of care is that they first want to rule out like anything medical that could be causing harm to your mental health. Because someone might show up and they're saying, I'm struggling with anxiety like crazy. Well, if you're having horrible sleep apnea and it's causing you not to get enough sleep and because of that you have all sorts of anxiety, like, yeah, you need to take care of this. There are things that can be done about that. What areas physically do you need to address this week in your life? All right, and again, do, do this with somebody. Have a close friend, uh, a spouse, someone you can be vulnerable with, whoever that would be. Have these conversations this week. Let's just do this. Where you're at, can we just kind of make a little space for you and God? For you just to take a moment and say, all right, am I content in who I am? And if I'm not, why not? What is it that you need to do? What thought patterns do you need to change? And where are you at physically? I put those five categories up there, but we know there's way more than that. It's just an easy way for us to start this. God, I pray right now, Lord, just for for every single one of us. God, I pray that if we right now are just in a place where we're struggling mentally, God, that we would be able to run to you. Lord, that we would have people in our life that we could be vulnerable with. People that would be there for us. God, help us understand if we, if there's things that we can change or if we need to be uh, having a conversation, seeking professional help, Lord, whatever it is. God, we want to be at our best so that you can use us in whatever way you want. God, not that any of this completely disqualifies us from being used either. God, we know that you use broken people you use brokenhearted so that your strength can be made known. But God, we don't want anything to be holding us back. Lord, I pray healing just over every person in this room, over our physical bodies. God, we pray healing over our minds. And God, that this week we would just pursue you like we maybe never have before. That we wouldn't be satisfied with where we are, but we would want more, more of you. If you've never made a decision or, 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 or a commitment to say, you know what, I want to live for God. I've tried doing this on my own and I, I want to live 
I need to live differently. Something big needs to change. Like, yeah, everything you're saying, that resonates with me, but I need something bigger to change in my life. If that's you, I want you just to, at some point this week after service today, connect with me, connect with Pastor Aaron. We would love to talk with you about that. We want to get you just set up with, with resources to help you succeed in this. All right, this journey is not meant to be taken alone. We need others with us on that. But for all of us, let's just, let's close this time and just saying, God, Lord, use us. Use us this week. Change us. God, that we could have an impact on this world for your glory. We ask this in your name. Amen.